Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And, um, you know, I have an amazing guest to kick things off. Um, he is the head of creative at, um, he is, his, he's, he's an awesome guest. His name is Don Nurbury. Uh, he is the head of creative at Shrapnel. Video had a shrapnel. Yep. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jamil. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so I'll kick things off. I'm going to ask a little bit differently because I asked the same question to 100 guests last year. I'm going to do it a little differently and say, what is your background and what unique expertise and insights have you mastered that have uh, brought us together today? Um, my background is uh, almost entirely at least career-wise, uh, and you know, if we're not going to go all the way back to the beginning in AAA gaming, um, primarily on the technical side. So I've been technical leadership um, across a, a you know set of franchises most people recognize: Madden NFL, uh, Indiana Jones, um, Bioshock, um, Sunset Overdrive, Crackdown, those sorts of titles. Um, been at both spent time in the trenches building studios and building teams as well as um, spent a long time doing global publishing as well so in a kind of publishing role in the uh, in the game industry um, things i've mastered in life and insights i would say making a lot of mistakes and trying to learn from them is probably <laughs> the best answer uh, to a question like that um, you know trying to change altitudes um, as uh, easily as possible um, and uh, always being open-minded, accepting new things, trying to, you know, in, in the especially in the tech side, it's very easy to see how things don't work. Um, uh, trying to put that part of my personality to bed and and see the future possibilities um, of of what could be, and you know, as we move forward. Awesome. And I don't want to make my podcast in memoriam, right? But you mentioned that you worked on, on Madden. Uh, could you just say a little bit about your experience working on Madden and a little bit about the man, if you can, um, for our listeners? Yeah, uh, huge, huge personality and huge impact, obviously. Um, uh, um, and and certainly the namesake of the title I worked on. That was it was a long time ago. It was in uh, 2005 and 2006 uh, that I worked on that title. So we're we're digging into um, the deep past. Um, but you know, it was, I was very lucky. It was actually the first title I ever worked on. I'm very lucky to be, um, um, you know, to have the honor of working on a franchise with that much prestige and that much weight behind it. And certainly that, that, you know, premier level, uh, of, of content, um, and EA Tiburon, which is the studio where it's made is a great place for developers to get started because, you know, a lot of what they do is an annual franchise is like Madden. Um, so you get to experience a lot of things very quickly and get to have a, a production cycle that for some games might be like three or four years uh, to be compressed over the course of the year. It teaches you scoping and planning very quickly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, your, your current company is Shrapnel, right? Uh, what is Shrapnel all about? What do you do there? What's, what's going on? 
Yeah, I mean, at its at its core, Shrapnel is a blockchain-enabled AAA extraction shooter um, with a, a number of UGC elements. So it's a user-generated content. So your ability to um, customize things and put your brand on it. Um, you know, you can, if for people who aren't familiar with extraction shooters, um, some examples that uh, exist in the wild would be um, titles like uh, Escape from Tarkov or The Dark Zone in The Division. Uh, it's essentially high stakes treasure hunting where um, you bring in uh, gear, you can lose it if somebody you know, kills you and takes, takes it off of you. Um, but the world is also populated with treasure uh, and loot and you're trying to get it out. Um, but you don't just you know you don't just get it by looting it. You have to actually extract it and get it out. Um, so that that's essentially the core of it, and we're building it natively, um, um, you know, cri like crypto native from the ground up. Uh, it's kind of an idea we've had for a long time in terms of um, you know what we saw as the early modding scenes from kind of the '90s, early 2000s that disappeared and got replaced by Minecraft and Roblox, um, um, uh, you know, communities and sort of how people are aging up into that. Uh, and saw this as a perfect opportunity to fulfill our dream of reinvigorating that space again for what we see as a slightly more adult crowd um, and a generations that have aged up and don't really, they don't stop creating and they don't really have anywhere to go. Um, there's, it, so we're, you know, we're going to offer that to them and what we consider to be, um, you know, a top tier kind of adult shooter. So, um, what is a uh, basic question uh, before, before we go forward? What, what is modding? Uh, modding, I mean, it can mean all sorts of different things, um, you know, depending on the, the um, game or platform that you're talking about. In our particular case um, for Shrapnel, um, we we essentially have a few different tiers of um, modability that can go, you know, you can think of them anywhere from like vanity up to maps um, and uh, different ranges of accessibility uh, and approachability really for uh, different types of personalities. Some people are very comfortable with very complex um, elements. Some people want to just put their brand on things and they know things like sticker sheet editor or, you know, MS paint or, or something like that. Um, we're catering to that full swath of, um, of creator, uh, to allow you to engage at whatever level that, um, you're comfortable. So creating both the, the tools and the framework, um, to, uh, enable that, those creative juices, as well as kind of, uh, how people interact with their stuff um, and how discovery mechanisms work for that content. Basically, you can have different skill sets of players and they can modify the game however they based on their skill. Yeah, you know, it's um, so, some people just want to, um, it, you know, create the Jamil badge and put it on their shoulder and run around, right? And then some people are, are yeah, want to want to get in there more deeply and um, create more um, elegant feature sets and set pieces and and uh, maps that they want other people to experience and play. So, y y as you can imagine, there's um, there's kind of a uh, a ramp of who that's applying to, um, in in terms of the the types of personalities and types of skill set. Uh, we want to make sure that we're uh, catering to all of them, and that really like the best content is getting surfaced to the top. So people are seeing um, the best of the best. Okay, great. Thank you.
I've read I've read previous interviews of you and you, and you mentioned modding, and I'm like, I don't get it. Now I do. So thank you. <laughs> um, so you're 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 looking for Shrapnel to uniquely reshape the mold of AAA gaming that the multitude of other crypto companies haven't focused on quite yet, right? Um, why should these gamers use your platform over all the others? Um, I mean, we're going to create a AAA level, you know, AAA production shooter um, and marriage that with a crypto native, um, not just architecture, but design from the ground up. Um, we're not uh, slapping crypto in uh, a way that is unnatural to it. It's, it is intrinsic to the system. Um, uh, and, um, you know, we're going to take that and, and kind of marry that with our strong basis in those UGC tools that I talked about. Uh, and in that way, we're creating a very unique offering of both the game, the game quality, the game style, um, you know, the fact that it is crypto native from the, from the beginning, and then also our own kind of, um, unique decentralized protocol expressions, um, that we think are only possible um, with blockchain so you're talking about mining through a game talk about what are you are talking about you're doing mining right you're doing mining through the game is that how it works is kind of like mining which definition of mining are you yeah that's a mining's an overused term <laughs> i know i know so that's why that's why i'm asking you what your definition of that is um I mean, you know, we often use mining in a like economic sense of just uh, time, time in for, for production value of extracted value sort of deal, um, or then the, the kind of like, I mean, the, I guess the reason we use that term is it's more literally approached to actual, um, you know, consensus protocols. Um, but uh, um, I would say in this case, we are certainly um, rewarding and incentivizing players both to participate, um, just just to, to you know participate uh, in the platform, but very much so for participating in a way where you're a creator um, at all of those levels. We like, we want those people to um, incrementally become more and more uh, of a of an ownership stake in Shrapnel as a protocol um, and a platform. Uh, and uh, you know, our what we always see are it's it's I don't know if it's a achievable dream but our dream is that us uh, as a studio um, step away from it in the end right that it is an entirely community supported thing that we see the interim as sort of we're almost competing with a certain to, to a certain degree with the community um and when we when we reach that equilibrium um you know that'll be a celebration time for sure got it so the gaming industry has dramatically changed over the course of the last two years, right? And we're seeing another change right now with the Omicron variant, right? Mm, yeah. How do you, what do you see as the changes in gaming industry and how do you navigate through them and what do you see as the future of it? Um, yeah, I mean, speaking certainly on the kind of pandemic notion and what we saw coming out of that, um, I would say, uh, the appetite for gaming shot way up, right? Everybody was at home looking for something to do. There's, there's no shortage of that. Um, certainly, um, the production process for studios 
we saw take a huge hit because everybody um, went home. There was a huge technical shuffle for remote work. And in some industries, remote work is considerably easier than others, right? So retail being the hardest and most impossible or any sort of like physical supply line stuff, also very difficult. And as you get into the tech space, it becomes more and more feasible, uh, more plausible. Um, games are sort of on the heavy end of the tech space. Um, we deal with large amounts of data, like large data sets that a large number of people have to use, um, there, where there has to be a truth of things. Um, so you're talking about like depots and very beefy dev machines like to build and do the art and everything. So um, that transition took um, a huge hit on the production um, velocity of the game industry. And I think that's why you ended up seeing so you, you always see games delayed. It just happens all the time. Um, and it's kind of like the bigger the publisher, typically like it'll get delayed, but it's a little less than some of the big delays you might see out of um, uh, indie titles um, because they have their production um, wrapped up a little more, uh, buttoned up a little more. And a lot of times they're just doing like sequel franchises. But I think this is with the pandemic, we saw a lot of stuff get stepped way out where it was just like deferred by a year or two years um, because of the inefficiencies and of working from home and getting everybody to work from home and figuring it out. Uh, and certainly with new projects and titles, um, people who are trying to create and build fresh studios and early studios like Shrapnel, um, working from home is extremely difficult um, because you sharing a creative vision in that way, you take something that took 20 minutes and now it takes two days, like literally that's the Delta. Um, we're balancing that um, at Shrapnel by having kind of a hybrid. So. We have people have machines at home as well as in a studio. We have dedicated creative time that we do have a studio with established on-site time and recognizing that you know we use that time to um, make sure we're overcoming those inefficiencies. Um, the other big change, of course, is uh, why we're here and what we're doing, which is um, this whole blockchain revolution that's happening right now. And, um, there's certainly a, a, um, a negative sen sentiment, I would say, both among developers and gamers right now, um, which is, seems to be a, you know, it's a classic kind of like knee-jerk response to um, technophile adoption and um, um, kind of the early, uh, you know, not in good faith projects as an example, and it's rough around the edges. And like, I get it, I mean, you know, it's, it, you can't disagree with um, at least understanding the sentiment um but uh it, looking beyond that is what you know like i said it's why we're here um we we think 100 percent. we believe in our blood that it's inevitable that in the next few years there's going to be a complete transformation of uh people's expectations it'll be you know like when we first saw a mega jump and the like of the free-to-play games enter the app store uh and it was a year and a half later the whole thing turned upside down and it was with the the same sort of response. And granted, uh, it happened very quickly in that case because a lot of the the tools and um, kind of policy workflows were already there. And it was this one little change. And you know, the telemetry was already there. War room approach was already there. Analytics were already there. Like it was just taking it and and changing the way you look at it and the, the shape of your process and how you approach the pricing and making sure you're you know above above line on revenue and then like how you get people spending like there was a bit of a shift but it was an incremental one as opposed to 
um, this one right now is a, a, a bit of a bulkier um, um, shift up. So, I mean, I think I think that you know summarizes kind of the last couple years, and then what's going to be the next few years. Right. So, you had massive stadiums with players, right? You don't have that now. You had massive people playing games, right? Now you have yeah. people working, people work playing from home, and then you have the evolution of the metaverse, right? So you have these shifting and evolving challenges, you know, in addition to the, the whatever the negative word on the street was, but, you know, um, what additional challenges do you see players are going to have in navigating where to play this, how to do it, where it would go? Uh, what's what's the roadmap? Because right now, to me, it looks kind of murky. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple pieces there. You know, you use the M word. Uh, metaverse there. Um, and we have a pillar at Trapnel, which is um, we're not the metaverse. We're part of it. Um, and there's a, you see a lot of these um, you see a lot of these projects and titles that claim to be the, the metaverse of X or the metaverse of Y. Um, and really, they're kind of genre sandboxes and are using that term very um, interestingly, shall we say. <laughs> um, uh, we we state that because you know we're heavily into um, inter uh, having our um, content be interop, um, being as DeFi enabled as humanly possible. Um, so you know it's like in that world we see blockchain and interop of blockchain as being the kind of TCP/IP of uh, what will become the metaverse or what is becoming the metaverse really, and that that like wider adoption. So just from a strategic standpoint and a philosophical standpoint that's that is our approach um in terms of uh, all of the other pieces that um people are going to have to overcome uh in terms of you know um the the kind of barriers to entry um we liken it sort of you know in its current day to we've had this discussion um pretty regularly kind of the early days of um bbc and irc um, uh, you know, where there was a, bar a barrier to entry that required dedication and willpower and expertise. And once you were in, you were kind of in this small community of people who are also willing to, to overcome those frictional elements and, and learn. And really, it's just have the willpower to want to do it. Um, and we're kind of in that stage, um, and, except we're enabled with um, grander social media um, and connectivity pieces. Um, so those the communities have grown very quickly. The barrier to entry is there, and the frictional elements are there. Um, and tackling those frictional frictional elements is a huge piece of um, what we're focused on. So when we talk about engaging with partners um, like Forte, who do you know custodial wallet solutions, KYC, AML, compliance stuff, those pieces of when you play a game, you just want to get in and shoot somebody in the face. You don't want to go through like put your driver's license in or your passport and you know yada 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 you you want to experience the game and have an emotional moment um uh, so knocking those down as much as possible we see as one of our primary goals and focus and there's a crossfade of communities um that that um we look at for you know how we roll the project out that starts in a very familiar crypto community way and taking advantage of kind of um, a natural overlap. There's there's a natural set of people in that space who are also gamers, obviously, um, taking advantage of of their input and their feedback and their passion and interests, and then crossfading so that uh, we're essentially adopting the entire community and then bringing 
uh, you know, the, the gamer bro into that space in a way that they're comfortable and familiar with. Um, uh, and we, we see that as kind of the, the tipping point of how you get this wider adoption from the gaming community into crypto gaming. We always say that the, the day that we'll have a, uh, a mediocre article on Kotaku will be our celebration day. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. <laughs> um, you did say a word there that I'm familiar with because I'm heavily into it. Um, you said DeFi, right? And from a global perspective, and I know there's trying there's regulators in the U.S. trying to regulate DeFi because they don't like the idea of higher interest rates, people earning higher interest, right? There's a lot of DeFi that can be earned in games by farming, right? How do you? How are we going to be able to navigate? Um, and, and is it a safe space? Is it a safe silo to do DeFi in games where it can't be touched by you know by, by regulators or by anybody else? Where it's where it's siloed, where people can do that. Yeah, I mean, um, I would say uh, without elements like DeFi and really interop um, is like even at the lower level of what we're talking about. Um, the, you know, blockchain as an adopted technology doesn't make too much sense um, for us or just to me personally, even right. It's, it's power lies uh, in that capability. Um, so that's always going to be a goal for us. And, and one of the highest priorities in all of the decision architectural decisions that we're making. Um, from a um, kind of compliance and regulatory perspective, we're, you know, we will always do whatever is in um, compliance and uh, as closely as possible and, and communicate as, as much as possible uh, and try to look to the future. I mean, nobody can tell the future, but I mean, we're always trying to um, uh, future-proof ourselves to be in the right place um, when that future does come. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're even from uh, elements like you know, um, agnostic file formats that are stored in decentralized ways so that other platforms and protocols can take advantage of them. So, you know, um, certainly um, looking beyond just what you're describing, which is, can I take custody of something and go, you know, trade it with somebody else or just give it to somebody else? Or what, like, what are the barriers there? Uh, even going beyond that and into the, well, how can you take this and use it somewhere else um, in, in earnest, right? Um, and I think that network effect of you see a lot of developers who are more pessimistic developers asking in the question of why would we do the work to support something like that? You know, we don't we don't you know, it costs X, Y, Z to do that. Like, what, you know, what, what, like, what's the benefit? And the, the benefit is reciprocal network effects. Right. The more that people support, um, the more like they want to come to you because other people support and vice versa with the other, you know, the other pieces of the network that have that reciprocal um, support. So um, that's the, I mean, for me, that that whole space is a complete no brainer and, and kind of the magic of what we're trying to do. Awesome. So that was actually one of my, my next question. And part of partially, I think I was, the question is how would, how would you suggest that we can help alleviate some of the challenges that are coming down the pipe? One is the network effect. Hmm. What other, what other ways do you think, um, to make things easier and more streamlined and um, less challenging and more exciting and whatever <laughs> you know so yeah uh, i mean there's there's all sorts of um 
kind of like magic bullets that we'd love to have, but everything's a trade-off for sure, right? You look at the trade-offs of um, scalability versus um, security versus interop um, uh, and, and um, how you can move things across um, different different layers and different chains. I think certainly in the in the like wallet um, KYC kind of regulatory tax compliance space, um, having some sort of kind of unified solution or bundled solution uh, that makes that easier. <laughs> Uh, even just a little bit easier than it is because it's it is a, a huge mess um and you know a part of that's just you see pieces of this which are like wallets that support a lot more like cross chain uh, elements and uh, you know a lot more um kind of to like token types and and con like contract types token types for storage um and and having that with a big kind of hug around it to understand tax and KYC and everything, uh, and where stuff's going, or at least in you know in a state of the arts, like more know your transaction than know your customer, um, and that's a very certainly the like provenance chain is more traceable across blockchain, but still hard, uh, and you have to decide you know as your protocol and platform like how far you're willing to go um, uh, in terms of of um, doing the due diligence on that, and um, there's all sorts of like answers and approaches. Um, to that, but some some sort of uh, you know companies that are in that space, I think are going to be you know it's the next like trillion dollar company for sure, um, and that's part of the reason we're partnering with Forte right now. Really, is like that is that is a huge focus of what they're doing. Awesome. I just think back to 2019, where my seven year old at the time ran up like five thousand dollars worth of in game app purchases. Before my wife and I could figure out how to how to stop it, <laughs> so yep, this that know. literally just came up like two days ago at the studio, um, talking about because it, it, uh, you know we've had we've hiring a lot of new team members lately, and there's, it, those styles of questions keep repeating. Like, how do you? What happens when this happens? Like, it happens. That's been happening for for a decade already, right? Um, it's that's not something you can stop. You can you can do the best that you can for sure, right? Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the the human. It's it's the same as trying to deal with uh, you know network security or asset security, even internally for your company. Like the person is always the weakest link, and um, if you can hand your iPad to uh, little Toby and it you know, doesn't change accounts or something, like nobody can stop that. <laughs> That's a win, right? <laughs> so, um, awesome. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been a great conversation. Um, thank you, Jamil. I'm just a little upset that we went back so fast, <laughs> but um, I enjoyed it. So um, it's an honor. So my last question is this. Um, how can people find out more information about you, about Shrapnel, about what you do, about what you're up to, what your roadmap is? How can they do that? Yeah. Um, uh, you can go to our website, which is at shrapnel.com. Um, or Twitter is a play shrapnel. Um, and through both of those, uh, we have a fairly active discord that's already lit up that um, we encourage everybody to come uh, join and um, chat with the, the dev team, full dev teams um, in there, um, as well as a, you know, a lively um, community. Um, we'll have a lot of big news happening um, very, very quickly and early this year. So people should keep an eye on all of those channels will be um, with a loudspeaker uh, um, 
you know, broadcasting across uh, the metaverse. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Cheers. Thank you, Jamil.